return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. We give God all the praise, all the honor and all the glory. We thank God so much for this morning. The psalmist said that this is the day the Lord has made, and we need to rejoice and be glad in Him. Amen. So we thank God so much for this morning, and I'm praying and believing God that by the time we are done this morning, God would have touched you like never before. Without wasting much time, I want us to close our eyes and pray. Just close your eyes and just begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just within some few seconds, just express your gratitude for all that He has done for you for taking care of you, providing for you, being with you from Monday till Sunday. The goodness of the Lord has been so evident on our lives. So just lift up your voice and begin to bless the name of the Lord. Just bless the name of the Lord. Radis Kuanda, Miroski Brunda, Salivadoski, Labradisalo, Valiandos, Catalabaya, Libarunda, Skiando, Lobraskianda, Labrandos, Cadalabrondis, Catialo, Rabos, Catai. Oh God, we give you praise, we give you praise, we give you praise. We bless your name, O oh God. We exalt your name in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you that today we are part of the living. And we thank you that today is the present. And you have so much in store for us today. We pray we commit ourselves into your hand. We ask that, oh God, you speak to us and through us. We come against anything that will be an impediment to the flow of the Holy Ghost. And we pray that you saturate this place and this place with your spirit and you saturate this atmosphere with yourself. So at the end, men shall give glory unto you. In your name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. 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 So um, I want to thank Pastor Day, Mama Jeannie, and the rest of the leadership for this opportunity given to me to share the word of God with you this morning. So today I'm sharing on the topic, His Ultimate Purpose. I'm sharing on the topic, His Ultimate Purpose. The reason why I'm sharing this word with us this morning is because in prayer, one thing God was telling me was that it is time that the church gets to that point where they recognize and they get to know his ultimate purpose for us. You know, because if you're a human being and you're working without a purpose, that means that you have no reason to live. Okay? Everything we are is locked up in our purpose on earth. And God brought us on earth for a purpose and for a reason. We got born again for a purpose and for a reason. We are here today for a purpose and for a reason. Therefore, it becomes very important for us to always recognize God's ultimate purpose for us at every point in time. Hallelujah. So I want to read something from the book of Matthew chapter 9. 19 verse 9 to 11. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife is set for marital unfaithfulness and marry another woman commits adultery. Please, can you change it to 9 for me instead, not 19? Thank you. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, 
many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn this, what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but to call the sinners. Hallelujah. You know, it is very interesting, the God we serve, the Christ that we serve, His purpose for humanity and how now the church, the ideology and the philosophy of the church has, has become twisted in this era and in this dispensation. You know, the Bible makes us understand that when Jesus Christ came on earth, He had a target. And His main target was to the sinners. So everything that he did was to draw the sinners onto himself, but not to pull or to push the sinners from himself. His main purpose was to come and save the world. So when Christ came, they were his main purpose and his main priority. So when you look at Christ's ministry, every time he was working with sinners, there were Pharisees, there were zealots, there were essence. These were various groups that were present at the era when Jesus Christ was. And these people thought that they were so holy, they were so pious, and they knew the law so much. But when Christ came, his target was not to the Pharisees. His target was not to the excellence. His target was not to the zealots, but his target was to the sinners. So when Jesus was calling out his people, he met a man called Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. I want to give us, give us a brief um, history of who tax collectors were in the dispensation of Jesus Christ. Tax collectors were people who were tagged as sinners. They were people who were tagged as corrupt. They were people who were tagged as unholy. The reason be that in as much as they were collecting money from the people, they themselves were enriching themselves with the money that they were contributing for the development of the nation. Therefore, those people were not respected, though they were one of the richest people during their time. Okay, so when those people were not really associated with those who were holy, the Pharisees tagged them as, um, um, as sinners. They tagged them as people who people don't have to get close to. Because when you get close to them, you become corrupt. Therefore, when Christ came and he was calling, they were amazed that Christ had to call a tax collector. That Christ had to call a sinner. That Christ had to call somebody who has been rejected by the society. That Christ had to call somebody who is despised by everybody. David, one thing I want us to understand is that Christ sees us beyond the way we see ourselves. Whilst we're so far away thinking that nothing better can come out of us, Christ saw us and called us even before the foundations of this world was laid. He predestined and he called you and said that at this time I will use you for my purpose, irrespective of where you found yourself. Matthew was a tax collector. He was a sinner. He was rejected and despised by the people. No one wanted to get close to him. And when Christ came, instead of him to associate himself with those who were righteous, instead of him to condemn those who are sinners, he rather went close to them and dined with them. Not only dining, but adding them to his main caucus of people he wanted to work with. So he called Matthew. And he didn't just call Matthew, he went to dine, to fellowship, to commune, to eat with him. And whilst he was doing that, the other tax collectors came. Beloved, let me tell you something. 
if you do not go all out there and go and rescue the sinners and get to commune with the sinners and bring them into Christ, there are some class of people we will not be able to reach. The reason being that everybody has his realm or her realm of influence. God calls you, God gives you a specific task, he gives you a specific job, a specific work, and you have a realm of influence over certain people or certain class of people whom you share, the, whom you share a common goal and a common purpose with. Matthew was a tax collector. And when Jesus went to dine with Matthew, other tax collectors came to dine with them. I was asking myself, had Jesus not dined or sat with Matthew, had he had gotten the opportunity to get to speak to the rest of the tax collectors who were there? Had he had gotten the opportunity to speak to the rest of the sinners who were there, who were taxed as corrupt? And whilst he was dining with them, the Pharisees, the holier than thou, the self-righteous people started criticizing him that why has your master decided to associate himself with the sinners? You know, we are in a dispensation where God has called the church for a purpose. God has called the church, not to the church, but to the world. But instead of the church to have a bigger heart and reach out to the world, the church is rather sitting down and rather criticizing and judging and condemning those who are in the world. Our words are not sweet. Our words do not carry fragrance. Our words do not smell nice. Therefore, when it goes out to the world, the worldly people despise and reject it because we don't get down to their level to be able to communicate the saving knowledge of Jesus. The ultimate purpose is love to humanity. We don't do that. It's always about us. It's always about what we can do. Most often we forget where we come from and we think that we are who we are and we become born again based on our own capacity and our own ability. The book of Mark, the book of Mark chapter 19, sorry, Luke chapter 19, Jesus says something. He said that for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Made it very clear. For the Son of Man came. So the reason why the Son of Man came on this earth was for him to come and seek and save the lost. That is why when you go back to where we just read, it said that he didn't come for those who are healthy. Because those who are healthy need not to go to the hospital for medication. We go to the hospital because we are sick. Everybody is sick. We all have our challenges. We, have, we all have our problems. We have things that we are dealing with. We have our struggles. But when we come into Christ, He covers us and envelopes us with His Holy Ghost so that through His Holy Spirit, we have the ability to overcome every demonic orchestration and demonic oppression, every depression and everything that easily entangles us and prevents us from fully radiating the glory of God. That is what the Son of Man came to do. He came to seek the lost. He came for those who are sick. He didn't come for those who are healthy. He came for those who are sinners. He didn't come for those who are righteous. Hallelujah. The book of Luke chapter 15, verse 1 to 2. Now, tax collectors and sinners were all gathered around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, 
This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. The verse 3. The verse 3. Yep, verse 3. And Jesus told them this parable. So that was when Jesus started telling them the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. Hallelujah. He started telling them that if a man has 100 sheep and one of them gets missing, would the shepherd sit back and just take, look after the 99 and reject the one who is lost? No. He leaves the rest of the 99 who are secured. Beloved, the Bible makes us understand that when we become born again, the Spirit of God becomes the seal of our salvation. We are now guaranteed a salvation that can never be disputed and can never be destroyed. Then his focus now goes to those who are lost and he begins to seek them. But he seeks them through us because now Jesus will not come on earth to work, but he has empowered his vessels, his people, to go all out and reach, and reach people who are outside with the message of the gospel, to preach to them about the love of God, to make them aware that he loved them and he came for them. It's because of them that he died on the cross of Calvary. If Christ had come for those who are righteous, if Christ had come for those who are perfect, you and I would not have been qualified. You and I would not have been qualified to be where we are now. But by his grace and by his mercies, we are where we are. Not because of our strength, not because of our ability, but because of his mercies. Hallelujah. The book of Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. When the Bible talks about those who are disobedient, disobedient people or disobedient, the disobedient ones God is, or Paul is talking about here are those who are not yet born again. Those who are, now, who are currently still living in darkness. Despising the light. Say that this spirit, that spirit of darkness, was at work in them. All of us also live among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature object of wrath. But because of his great love, because of his great love, For us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in sin and transgression. Do you understand dead? It means that even in times that we were not receptive to him, even in times that we were totally alienated from him, separated from him, even in times we were so distant from him, even in times we could not feel him anymore, even in times we were not receptive to his Holy Ghost, he came. He showed us mercy. He showed us love. And he catapulted, shifted us from the realm of darkness into the realm of light. And because of that, he said that he made us alive. He didn't didn't just make us alive, but he made us alive with Christ. That is why I'm no more a common person. I am somebody who is seated together with Christ in heavenly places. Because of the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. And this is the message God wants the world to know. This is why God came to the world. God came because people are living in darkness who need to come into light. And God came because there are people who are still struggling in the church. 
and still need to be built up more so that they can get to the nature where God wants them to be. It is by grace you have been saved. Isn't it sweet? It is by grace. You never deserved it. You never qualified for it. Your resume didn't contain anything that qualified you. In fact, if you had applied for it, you'd have been totally rejected. Because your CV carries nothing that will qualify you to that place. But by His grace, by, your un- by His unmerited favor, He just decided. It's like if you applied for a job. Or you didn't even apply for any job. You were just there. You just had a call. Hey, how are you doing? We have employed you from today. Come and work. All the benefits are there. And you will not lack anything. And that was the provision he made. Even when we were not ready, even when we thought we were not prepared, even when we were looking elsewhere, he just came. He gave us his love. He, he, I, I love so the verse he, said, he lavished his extravagant love on us. Hallelujah. Verse 7. In order that in the coming ages he might show us the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is also another topic. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by your works. Therefore, we must get to that point where we get to understand that none of us qualify for this. His grace gave us and took us that far. Therefore, anytime we are going out to the world to speak to people, anytime we see people struggling in sin, anytime we see people going haywire or wayward, what we must understand is that we were once there. Whenever pride is setting in your heart, just remember one thing, that you were once there. You were once dead. You were once doing the things that they were doing. Even if you were not smoking, you were committing adultery. Even when you were not committing adultery, you were stealing. You were doing all manner of things. But God did not condemn you. In the book of John chapter 3, verse 16. John 3, verse 16. The Bible says that, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believed in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We like quoting, and when you go to Africa, especially Ghana, every child, even a Muslim, knows how to quote this one. Because we always rattle it. But we lack understanding. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Sometimes it pains me how men of God pick up pulpits, and all that they do is that they condemn people. Did Christ come to condemn us? Did Christ come to Take us away from him. Did Christ come to continually make us know how unworthy we are to serve him? Or Christ came that through him we may have life and have it in abundance. The Bible says that for the devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that through me you may have life and have it in abundance. He came to give us life. He didn't come to condemn. He came to show us life. For in him was life, and the life was the light of men. When men receive the life of God, they will receive the light of God. Hallelujah. Because when you receive his life, then now you are set on fire, and now you become very sensitive in the Holy Ghost to be aware that this is your immediate environment, and this is how you are able to overcome it. 
the ultimate purpose of God for humanity. Not to condemn us. No. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No. But to save the world through him. So when, so when he came, he had that at the back of his mind. So every time his agenda was to save a soul. Every time his agenda was to reach the lost people with the message of the gospel. The Bible said that when he saw them, ah, he was cut to heart. He was full of compassion because they were like sheep without shepherd. They were lost. They were going away. But then because of his love, ah, he, never, he couldn't leave them alone. Though they despised him, though he knew that they would crucify him on the cross of Calvary. He knew that when the time comes, they would reject him. Beloved, when men reject you because of the cross, when men despise you because of the cross, when people want to do all manner of things to you because of the cross, note one thing, that you are not the, you're not the first person to go through this. Our Savior Lord and Master Jesus went through the same thing. He gave men all his love and ended on the cross. If you have been, how, much of your, how much love have you given to the world to the point, that, to the point of shedding your blood? We sit in our comfort, and all that we do is that we criticize and we condemn, we lambast and we judge people. How many of us have made an attempt to reach out to people who are struggling in all manner of things, to share the sweet word of God with them? One man of God, Rabbi Zachariah, said something. He said that you can't, he said there's an adage in, 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 in India that you can't take up the nose of a person and give him a rose flower to smell. Because when you take off the nose of a person, the person has no ability to smell the sweet fragrance of the flower. So then, if you want to present the word of God to somebody, you don't go and condemn the person. You don't go and judge the person. But you go and you radiate the love of God to that person. And through the love of God, the, person will be, the person's spirit will be set on fire once again. And the person will become born again. Let me tell you, Inasmuch as we share the word of God, it is not by our strength that a man will be born again. The Bible says conviction comes from the Holy Ghost. You can talk and talk and use all the vocabularies in the world, all the vocabularies in the Bible, whatsoever, but nothing can happen outside the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. He came for the lost. He came for us. Let me tell you, also in the church there are people who are struggling. There are people who are going through things, who are going through tough times. But then, unfortunately, the church again is condemning them. So because of that, some people come to church. And by next week or two, they stop coming to church. Why? Because they are in a church where people are not doing the work of Barnabas. Where they will come to them and say that, I will hold your hand and build you up. I will encourage you, not discourage you. But rather, the church has become an element of discouragement. And we discourage, lambast, and judge people. Pull them away from the church and they go back in their own life. But let me tell you something. If you let your attitude, if you let your way of life push people away from the cross for them to end up in their old life, one day God will judge me and you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You must get to note this. Because his purpose is for the world. Let me tell you, there's nothing called carnal Christianity. No. In this world, there are two things. Either you belong to the light or you belong to darkness. There's no middle light, half light, half darkness. It doesn't exist. Because wherever light is, darkness cannot stand. But there's one thing I know, that there's something we call maturity and sanctification. 
when you come into the body of Christ, you grow from one stage to another, from one stage to another. But it's like now, because we are so, I mean, familiar, and we are so locked up in this ideology that everything should be fast, 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 fast. When somebody comes into Christ, we just immediately want to see the person jump into a high level and begin to operate in some realm that we have never seen before. But we forget that God has dealt with us through something we call process. He takes his time to build us. He takes his time to build us and groom us. He grows us through process so that when the time is due, we have everything that we need to be able to function in the power and the ability he has given to us as his children. The church is supposed to be a place where everybody is built up. You know, because the church is a body. There are hands, legs, and other parts. When we come into the body of Christ, we are edified, we are being built up. We are being built up, we sharpen one another. We don't destroy one another. Okay? So, that is our responsibility, that is our role. When we come into the church, we should recognize that you have your struggles. Maybe I might not see it. Maybe I might not come to you in your secret to know what you are struggling with or what you are doing that no one has seen. I also have my problem. Therefore, when we come, we pray that God sharpen us so that we can fully attain your nature. Sharpen us so that we can be who you want us to be. And through process, through prayer, through guidance, through encouragement, we become like Paul. And we can write about 13 epistles that other generations will come, pick it, read, and they will get a deeper insight and understanding of who Jesus Christ is. If Paul was rejected, I don't know how he would have gotten the 13 epistles that I and you read every day in the New Testament. But let me tell you something. Paul was somebody who initially was despised and rejected by the church because he had killed the saints. But he took a man called Barnabas. He said that, I know this man. I've encountered him. I believe in him. I know. He stood by him. Built him up. And through process and friendship and fellowship, Paul became who he was. There are a lot of Pauls outside who are waiting to come into the sheepfold to cause a revival. There are a lot of Billy Grahams outside. There are a lot of Catherine Comers outside. There are a lot of great theologians. There are a lot of great preachers. There are a lot of great evangelists, revivalists who are out there. But you know what? They are waiting for the church to give them the word that they need to hear so that they will be cut through their hearts and know that indeed Jesus loved them. So they can come with just as, just as they are. I love a certain hymn. Like, just as I am without a cause. Something like that. Just as I am. Just as I am. Just as you are. You know, God do not leave, need you in a certain way. He needs you just as you are. No matter where you are. No matter what you've done, he needs you. So that when you come, he can show you his love. He can take away the darkness and usher you and commission you to go and call the rest of those who are outside. Look at Matthew. When Matthew became born again, when Matthew started becoming a disciple of, a disciple of Jesus Christ, Matthew was able to get a lot of tax collectors to come and listen to Jesus. There are, some people, there are some places you never get to in life. No matter how much you preach 10,000 times, you never get to those people. But if it reaches another person, that person might have the grace to get to those people that you cannot reach. Hallelujah. 
In the book of 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to to 10, these are my last scriptures I'll read and I'm done. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed, showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he that we might live through him. Hallelujah. He sent his son to the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. And because of that, now I and you, we can call ourselves the redeemed. Even when we're yet sinners, Romans chapter 5 verse 8, even when we're yet sinners, Christ showed his love to us by dying on the cross of Calvary. That's what he wants us to do. Not to push the world away, not to push people away, but to embrace them. Show them the love of the Father. Let them know that God came because of them. That Christ came because of them. That the Godhead was crucified on the cross of Calvary because of them. This is a great mystery which can only be unraveled in the love of God. Hallelujah. Can we close our eyes? Just begin to pray. And ask God, Father, may you cause me to understand your ultimate purpose for humanity. That Lord, you came to save the world. That through you, they may get to know your word and they might have life. Just pray that, Father Lord, may I be a light. May I not repel the world, but may I be a channel of your love to the world. That through me, through my ministry, through what I do, through my work, through everything I do, men may come to the knowledge of the life of God. Just pray that, God, make me a vessel. Make me a vessel. And just pray that, God, if my attitude has been pushing people away, if my attitude has been making people not wanting to even love you, God, may you transform my life and change me. Because, Lord, you've made me understand that I should come to you just as I am. And you, with an open arm, oh my God, with an open arm, like the prodigals and the Bible says, the father would always be standing at the door waiting for the son to come. And the day that the son, when he saw the son from afar, the father rushed and ran and went to embrace him and gave him the best coat to wear. Uh, can you pray that, Father Lord, just take me as I am, as you've always been. Just continue to build me up and make me, prepare me to be who you want me to be. Because you've given me the Holy Ghost, who is the deposit of my salvation, who is supposed to be my teacher. God, may your Holy Ghost teach me as I ought to know that through you, the world may get to know you. Father, we thank you. We bless your name. We thank you for your word. We pray that in anywhere we find ourselves, may we be channel of blessing. May we be channel of light. May we dissipate your love to the world. May people get to know you through us, O God. May the world get to know you through our lives. May we walk in your ultimate plan for humanity. God, at the end, may you come and call us faithful servants. We thank you. We bless your name. In your name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Can all things say amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605 
692-4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m., also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.